following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. All right, and the first show of 2014. Thanks for joining us here on Winning Ponies. Hope to be bringing you a year's worth of excellent guests, good shows, and plenty of winners. Of course, if you're looking for winners, go to the Winning Ponies website, winningponies.com, and uh, pull down their sheets because they are red hot already just today at Aqueduct. We gave out the pick six paying $46,000. So you want to start your new year off right, get on board with Winning Ponies. Uh, two very interesting uh, guests today. Um, our first guest is Frank Lovato, Jr., who joined us about a year ago. Of course, uh, Frankie, uh, former Eclipse Award winning jockey, uh, Gained a lot of uh, notoriety uh, when he n- invented the uh, the Equisizer, a mechanical horse that's used worldwide uh, for training and even therapy. Uh, then uh, Frankie founded uh, Jockey World, Jockey Camp, Jockey World Radio, and something that he completed just the other day because it was New Year was uh, a series of informational videos. 365 days of racing terms. We'll tell you how to get to it. It's very interesting. And as much as you feel you know about racing, there's still some terms in there that Frankie gives an interesting spin to or a little bit of back history. Uh, I think you're really going to enjoy it. As you know, he's a very passionate man and really enjoys his subject matter and loves passing along uh, his knowledge. Uh, Then we're going to go out to uh, Santa Anita, for a visit with Tom Quigley, and he is Mr. California. Uh, perhaps you have joined him on Twitter at Quigley's Corner. Uh, he does the paddock profiles on Twitter and gives you an inside look before the horses are going to post. And uh, he has kind of moved up the ladder a little bit, and he is now the VIP player concierge at Santa Anita. So I'll be interested in learning about what his different duties are out there uh, at Santa Anita. But Tom, a great handicapper, and uh, as you know, in the past was the uh, publisher of uh, Horse Player Magazine. So uh, looking forward to uh, to tonight's shows. Hopefully we'll put you on a few winners. Uh, with uh, Tom, we're going to look at uh, uh, two of the three graded stakes races uh, that will be run this weekend in North America. And that is the uh, Santa Inez. It's a grade two, 200,000. These are for fillies that just turned three. Short field, but talented group. And uh, 
Then uh, we're going to take a quick look at the Midnight Loot, which uh, was just an odds-maker nightmare. It was so hard to find a favorite in there. And then we'll round it out on the turf at Santa Anita with the Grade 2 San Gabriel race. It's been run 66 times in its history. So... Uh, it's kind of interesting. Uh, coming up soon are the Eclipse Awards. And uh, a lot of connections to winning ponies are going to be there. Now, the, first of all, there will be the finalists, so you know who's in the running. Um, that's going to be announced uh, live on January 8th on um, HRTV, the network for horse sports. Uh, the finalists and all the, the 17 categories will be recognized. So that they'll come out on January 8th. Uh, but the Eclipse Awards won't come until later. Uh, of course, that's going to happen uh, for uh, only $400. You can get to go there uh, at the uh, Trump International down at uh, Hallandale Beach. Uh, HRTV will be covering that, too. So uh, the 43rd Annual Eclipse Awards. Now, some of the awards are, are announced this week, and uh, one that... Uh, came out today was that Jamie Radosevich Hernandez won the Eclipse Award for photography. Her shot of a wise Dan that was in USA Today. Now, uh, the last name Hernandez sounds familiar. Uh, yeah, B.J. Hernandez Jr. has been on Winning Ponies several times. A great guy, a personal friend. Of course, you know him as the jockey of Fort Larned and uh, a year ago won the Breeders' Cup Classic. Uh, Any of the... the, the Awards are, are uh, voted on by the National Thoroughbred Racing Association, the NTRA, the Daily Racing Forum, and the National Turf Writers and Broadcasters. And I'm sure if you go online, you'll be able to see a, 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 a picture that Jamie took. It was like the worst night ever at Churchill Downs, kind of a pouring rain. She had to climb a steel ladder to get the shot from the infield, obviously soaking wet. There was lightning all over the place, but she got the shot, which is very hard to do in the rain because a lot of times your focus will go in and out with the raindrops. And kind of interesting that it's a family affair in that her being married to Brian Hernandez he won the Eclipse Award for Outstanding Apprentice Jockey in 2004, and now his wife uh, has a bronze statue to put on the uh, mantle. I've known Jamie since she was a Gallup girl uh, back in Ohio. She comes from a uh, solid, solid family. Uh, she's the daughter of Jake and Shelly Radosevich, uh, her father, a, a great trainer. And uh, her brother Jake, as a matter of fact, is, uh, is in the saddle. And I believe she has a younger sister. Her name eludes me, but she's only had like her two, uh, two, uh, mounts already, but she's going she's gonna to be riding too. So congratulations to Jamie on, on winning her Eclipse Award. Um, the, uh, the other media Eclipse went to HRTV for a documentary called Saratoga War Horse. Uh, involved with that was Amy Zimmerman, who's been on Winning Ponies before. She was the executive producer and writer of the, of the War Horse. And uh, it was the fifth time that HRTV has won a media Eclipse Award. Uh, as far as television, <clears throat> live programming, the Media Clips Award went to NBC Sports, and uh, no big surprise there. It's the 10th time that they've won uh, the Media Eclipse Award, and uh, many of the voices that you've heard here on Winning Ponies uh, were involved in the telecast, uh, Jay Privman, uh, Donna Barton Brothers, uh, Mike Battaglia, and Larry 
columnists who called the races uh, were all involved. So it's great to have those top people get an Eclipse Award, be a part of it, and also be a part of Winning Ponies. All right, end of the year standings. Let's see who came out on top. As far as breeders, it was Ken and Sarah Ramsey. Kittens Joy getting them on top. They had uh, 15 wins with 10 winners behind them, Adina Springs, and then the Phipps stable, Darley and Will Farish. As far as the owner, yes, it was Ken and Sarah Ramsey. Uh, just beating out uh, Jerry Hollendorfer, Gary and Mary West, Gary Barber, and the Phipps stable. And as far as the sires were concerned, because of the connections with the Ramseys, Kittens Joy, uh, had 10 winners edging out both Warfront and Ghost Zapper who had, and Giants Causeway, who had eight apiece. One behind them was Empire Maker. As far as trainer, no surprise here. Number one, Todd Pletcher with uh, 29 graded stakes winners behind him. Bob Baffert with 20, Jerry Hollendorfer with 13, Bill Mott 12, and Chad Brown 11 names you hear in the news every week. And as far as uh, the sales company, we cover the sales with you. It was the Keeneland September sale coming out way on top with 97 graded stakes winners over their own November sale that produced 29. As far as graded stakes wins, the horse with the most, good shot for horse of the year, Wise Dan, six graded stakes wins behind him, game on dude with five, and then a slew of horses, Tied at a four, Beholder, Last Gunfighter, Laughing, Misdirection, Princess of Silmar, Verrazano, and will take charge. As far as the jockeys are concerned, we're going to have an ex-jockey, Frankie Lovato Jr., on in a few minutes. Uh, the top jock, he's taking a little break here, John Velasquez with 37 graded stakes wins over the hard-riding Joel Rosario, who had a sensational season with 30. He, had Mike, he edged Mike Smith by one. He had 29. Javier Castellano, 24 graded stakes winners. And then a girl breaks in to the top five, Rosie Napravnik. No big surprise there. As far as uh, money being offered in New York, the Belmont Stakes, following in the Preakness Stakes last week, we announced, uh, is going to boost the purse to one point. $5 million when the Belmonts run on June 7th this year. Uh, purses are also going to be paid to the first eight finishers. They used to just be paid down to the top five. So an increase in the Belmont stakes purse. While we're in New York, let's take a look. David Jacobson set a Naira win record. Uh, he had 160 earlier and finished out the season with even more than that. He is the son of the late Howard Buddy Jacobson, a five-time leading trainer in New York. Uh, Jacobson returned to training after a 25-year absence. Boy, talk about not forgetting where you came from or what you do. Um, he won his first uh, meet title at Aqueduct in the spring of 2011. So congratulations uh, to him. Uh, Jacobson gets the, the top trainer spot, and uh, the Javier Castellano got the top jockey spot. Again, that's all happening in New York. We were talking a little bit about the Ramses. It's a bit of a surprise that uh, trainer Wayne Catalano has all but ended his four-year association with owners Ken and Sarah Ramsey. Uh, he confirmed it last 
Friday. Um, Catalano trained uh, horses who won 74 races uh, for them, including 11 stakes and five graded stakes, their best uh, being uh, Stephanie's Kitten, who won the Grade 1 Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies back in 2011. So the cat, a former top jock and now a top trainer, has divorced the Ramses. Uh, Brownell Combs, the son of Spencer founder, uh, it has died. Uh, we just found this out. 80 years old, he died in, in Lexington at the age of 80. Uh, he was actually named after his dad, Leslie Combs, but he went with, uh, with Brownell for a little bit of sit- separation. Of course, he's a guy that syndicated uh, not one but two Triple Crown winners. He syndicated Seattle Slough and affirmed both horses who stood the early part of their stud career at Spencer Farm. It was uh, quite quite a trip uh, t- to go there if, if you ever had. Uh, Tyler Bays, let's wish him best of luck. He's back in the saddle. Uh, he started riding yesterday out at, out at Santa Anita. As you know, he um, had some alcohol-related problems, was suspended. He comes from a very, very talented family of, of riders. Uh, of course, he is obviously going to be um, closely monitored, uh, and he's agreed with it. He's actually still uh, living uh, at a rehab center, so he's really trying to make a go of it. Just a talented young man, and uh, we pray that that he makes it. Well, uh, we alluded briefly to some late-breaking news last week that New Year's Day, the winner of the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, has been retired uh, because of a non-displaced chip of the top, the sesamoid in his left hind leg. If you want, we can have Frankie Lovato Jr. tell you what a sesamoid is. It was probably one of his uh, uh, racing terms that it, that he used. But uh, New Year's Day is going to be uh, retired, uh, owned by Gary and Mary West. Um, and, of course, he may well be an Eclipse Award winner. Uh, he's going to enter stud at Hillendale's Farm in Lexington, Kentucky. Still haven't seen the uh, stud fee. And as far as stud fees, one that was uh, upped, no surprise here, Kittens Joy, who just edged Speedstown to top the sire list on Christmas Eve. So uh, he's going to be standing for $100,000. Well, as you know, the end of the year, there's a slew of news to be covered. We can't cover it all, but uh, one thing that we weren't sure of last week, who was going to uh, take the other part of will take charge. It's going to be Three Chimneys Farm, and he's going to race, good news for everybody, in 2014. Well, we just put 10 pounds in a 5-pound sack. I'm going to take a little bit of a break here, and when we come back, we're going to come back to one of the most interesting characters in racing, Frankie Lovato, Jr. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball. From high school to the pros, we, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com. 
the home of the Easy Win Form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fan's perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice American Network and let's talk football. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and uh, with me right now, an interview I've been looking forward to all week long, Frankie Lovato, Jr. Uh, as you know, he's uh, an Eclipse Award-winning jockey, uh, the creator of the Equisizer, which is a mechanical horse that's used all over the place. I was down at uh, Chris McCarron's jockey school, and I think he's got eight of them in there uh, yeah. that, he, that he uses, and they're also used for uh, exercise and therapy. Uh, just yesterday, I was with a friend that told me that she's got uh, an Equisizer in her garage, and it's somebody that I think Frankie knows. Her name is Patricia Cooksey. Small world, oh. Frankie. How you doing? Great, John. Thanks for having me on. And and speak about Patricia Cooksey. She's she's a she's a rock star. She's the best. <laughs> she is. And and like you, she is a great. Well, you know that's a, that's a huge compliment because I, I look at her as uh, you know she's just so active in horse racing. She still gives back to the game. And she was a heck of a rider. I got to ride with her many years ago in in Keeneland and and uh, just and a great all around person. Oh, absolutely! I was blessed to uh, to, to be around here uh, in the early part of her career. Uh, she was one of the top jockeys down at River Downs, and what was back then known as Latonia, and it's yeah. since been renamed uh, Turfway Park. And uh, so we we've had a longstanding uh, relationship, and she's uh, just a top person. But she just tells me how much she uses uh, your invention when it's time to get back for the different charity competitions she has. But let's move forward right now. Uh, when, when, I, when I last talked to you, and let's talk about this kind of briefly, um, you were just getting ready for your uh, summer session of jockey camp. How did things go? And if you can briefly explain to our listeners what it is. Well, yeah, thank you. Yeah, fantastic. The jockey camp was a great success this year, and we had a lot of support behind us. Um, but basically, it's a, it's, a very, um, it's, it's a very personal experience that gives uh, mostly youth the people that want to work within the industry, um, most of them want to be jockeys, but some of them want to be trainers, exercise riders. Uh, some of them want to work in the media. Uh, but it gives them an opportunity to have a, a, a three-day crash course that I have, have stuck with me <laughs> for 
16 hours a day, and we just go over. We have a full agenda, and um, we do. We we have. I have like three workstations, which is one I call the media tent, which is where we have uh, phone interviews and other famous jockeys call in and trainers, and um, and, and then we have a a, a race track that's a scale size racetrack that all exercises are performed on foot, and it gives them, they learn track rules, track etiquette, they learn the furlong markers, um, they learn a lot about riding on the track. And then we have the, the shop where the equisizers are built, and uh, there we do a lot of riding lessons, and, and uh, a lot of fun, a lot of fun, very, very educational. Well, obviously, uh, you're someone that's very comfortable with, with what it is you're teaching because you grew up in, in the world of racing, and uh, you're doing a great job in your 365 days of racing terms and, and uh, sharing that knowledge with anybody that wants to, wants to get to your videos, which are totally free. Um, you, can, you can go online. Let's start with, and, and we'll, before we leave, uh, we'll make sure that we tell everybody where they can go to view these. But uh, give me an idea of uh, how you came up with the, the idea, the format, uh, the production. You even have sponsors. Uh, that had to be quite a task, Frankie. <laughs> it was. Um, um, mag- I, I, I can't say how. <laughs> it was magnanimous. <laughs> but it was a big undertaking, and I did it because I wanted to bring more attention, attention to my educational efforts and what I'm creating within the Jockey World organization. Um, me and my assistant, and I, of course I needed her help because there was no way I could have done this without her, and I'll give her a shout-out right now, Kayla Jarvanen. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> um, we spent thousands of hours on this project, and um, the, it, it, the concept started from a terminology book that I had written a few years back, and it's a pocket-sized racing term book that has about 450 terms. People could stick it in their pocket and go to the races, or if they... If they if they're watching the races on TV, they don't understand some of the commentation going on. They can open the booklet and they'll likely find what they're looking for. Um, so I had these books printed, and um, you know, it, they just weren't people weren't finding out about it enough. So I, I wanted to do something extreme to bring attention to the the educational efforts that I am working towards, and also that I've already produced. So that's where the idea came from. Was my terminology book. Well, it, it really was uh, just a, a fantastic idea, but this had to be time-consuming, not only from you personally appearing before camera each and every day, but you, you had to make sure you got your research right. Yeah, yeah, and one thing I, I, didn't, um, I didn't anticipate is there's a lot of things, we, and we talked about this a little bit off-air, you know, you and I grew up around the racetrack, or we have a, a, something that could be so simple that we just take for, for granted, but then when you have to break it down for, for the novice, for people that are learning about the industry, and you have to break it down, you have to be sure your resources are correct and that you're spot on. You don't want to put bad information out there. So there was a lot of things that, um, that I came across that I was not expecting, that something that if someone asked me a question, I could probably answer it in 10 seconds. But when it comes down to it, when I wrote the term out, I mean, it may have taken me um, sometimes up to four to six hours to script it and make sure I had my, my uh, information being correct. And, and then, of course, uh, Kayla being my assistant, she was helping me produce the video, and we had to try to find footage, um, anything we could that could, that could try to uh, exemplify what we were talking about. So it, it was a huge challenge. Um, it's over. <laughs> we pulled it off. 
<laughs> well, you did, and, and I'll tell our listeners, and I really want them want them to to, to go to it. Um, that the visuals are great. I mean, you really did a good job at at, at finding uh, photos of uh, you know uh, whether it was a bit or a, a scene from a racetrack or, or a piece of equipment that a horse uses. Um, you did a great job, and it, and it all kind of moves. It's not boring at all. It's kind of like I couldn't wait to click to the next one. Uh, I haven't been able to get through all 365, but uh, you, you just you put a great job of, of putting it in layman's terms, and I think that's the important thing. We we all say that that our sport is over the heads of so many people and it's mind-boggling and it's hard to read the racing form and people don't understand the terminology. But you brought it down to a, a level that people could really relate to, I thought. Well, well thank you. And, and, and that was my intention. I mean, I had to, um, I had to kind of think from the purest thoughts and, and when, you, when you grow up in this business, we take so many things for granted and um, we have fans out there that are, or want to be a part of this game and we have to make it easier for them to understand because without understanding it, you can't enjoy it. Not, not as much as you do by understanding it. So that was my intention. Well, you'd already written the book, and you had more than 365. But uh, were, was there a, a, a term or two that you kind of struggled with and saying, how can I really put this into words that somebody will understand? Can you think of one or two of those? I could, yeah, I absolutely could. The one of the toughest, um, also eligible. That was that was tough. <laughs> uh, coupled entries. That was that was tough. The scale of weights. Um, you know, it it, it 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 could have a three second answer, or it could have you know what what I was trying to do is break it down and give some foundation and give some history to each of those meanings, and and not only what it actually means, but why you would see this instead of this. Like coupled entry, for example, it got into post positions. And why people so many times are confused when they see one and one a, and they'll see one a breaking out of stall number eight and number one breaking uh, out of stall number three, and I had to explain that I had to break it down and and try to make it understandable for for anybody. So those things were they, they were brutal to to try to get get within three minutes time. Yeah, the proverbial trying to put 10 pounds in a 5-pound sack, <laughs> but uh, you, you did a good job. But no, th- those things are very difficult because someone that's just being introduced to the sport is scratching their head going, wait a second, this guy weighed 115 pounds 20 minutes ago, and now he's coming out and it says he's 124. I don't get it, you know? <laughs> and to try to explain yeah. everything about different size saddles or maybe lead pads underneath, things like that, uh, it just takes a lot of people back. It, it does, and we were able to touch on, I, I'd like to think, just about everything. There, there were some terms that we weren't able to cover, but as you mentioned, um, like when a, when a horse is or an overweight or a weight assignment, um, and then I had to explain, well, I was able to take in one video, I might have been able to explain like maybe three or four more things that wasn't actually part of the term series. Um, so we tried to tag all those words within each of those videos. If someone was to search for it through YouTube, they might come across, it may not be the actual title of the term, but they may come across uh, something like lead pad um, or lead, um, which was a tough one <laughs> that I'd bring up because it, there's three meanings with lead, lead, lead. <laughs> lead right. as in weight, lead as in in front, and, and then lead as in taking the lead. You know, it's crazy. <laughs> it really is. Well, um, 
I, I just want to let people know that you've, you've got you've got a great website that really hits on a lot of different things. Um, as far as uh, you know, jockeyworld.org. So take your time and explain to everybody a how they get to jockeyworld.org and b how they start to get their eyes on 365 days of racing terms. Well, I think the, probably the simplest way, and we try to keep it simple, um, of course you can search racing terms on YouTube and, and it should pop up, or Frank Lovato's uh, racing terminology, all that should pop up. We have lots of keywords, but racing terms should work. Um, but if it doesn't, the simplest way is just go to jockeyworld.org. We have um, right on the home page, you'll see a link that you could click on to our page that houses the entire series. Um, and also links that could bring you back to YouTube if you'd, if you'd like to see it that way. Um, also, we're very excited that um, Horse Races now has picked up the series. They're going to carry it for 2014 um, through their daily newsletter. So if anyone's signed up or they haven't signed up for their newsletter, they're going to post the term of the day every day of the year for 2014. So we're totally uh, psyched about that. That's great, and that's the uh, the site that Kenny McPeak uh, started, right? Yeah, it's the horse racing app. Um, that's it's a, it's a really neat app. I have it myself. I don't know if you have it, but it, it's cool because you can follow horses, jockeys, trainers, anybody you want. And then, of course, you have races and videos and the entries and results. And oh yeah. We've, we've had oh, Kenny yeah. on the show when he first came out with it, uh, and that's why I like it when, when I see something like 365 days of racing terms or horse racing now. I like to get it out to our listeners as soon as possible so they can really just continue to absorb the game, get free information, uh, know where they, where they go to, to find out more about racing. All I can say is, Frankie, you, you've done an outstanding job in taking on this venture. I know how much personal pride you take in it and how much work it took, and uh, my, my hat is off to you, and I, and I sure hope you'll be, you'll be back with us as a guest another time because you are such a font of knowledge, and uh, you really come across great in your interviews. Thank you, John. I really appreciate you having me on. And can I give a shout-out to two good friends? Uh, um, I want to give a shout-out to Kathy Coffey and Gerardo Racing, Gerardo Racing, Louis Gerardo, trainer. They've been big supporters of ours. You ran into them today at the track photographer, ironically. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I wanted to give them a big shout-out and thank them for all their support this year. And all the, all the fans we have out there, um, everyone that supported us, I, I just really appreciate everything that uh, everyone's done to support us this year. All right. Well, I really appreciate your time. And again, everybody, uh, just go to jockeyworld.org and you'll find your way around the site and you'll find your way to 365 days of racing terms. Frankie Lovato, Jr., thanks so much for joining us on Winning Ponies. Thank you, John. Have a great night. Okay, I will. And the great night's going to continue because we have the concierge at Santa Anita, the VIP player man himself. Tom Quigley's going to be with us. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds Bart. They need to bitch his ass and then move oh, on. I just, and get I just ready think that the coach made a mistake. All crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. And they're off. 
What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me right now is a man that's actually had a portion of the racetrack named after him. That's Quigley's Corner. Tom Quigley's going to be with us. Uh, He's a guy that I've never seen walk in a room without a smile on his face. He embraces the sport of thoroughbred racing and obviously has done a good job because he's worked his way into a position titled the VIP Player Concierge at Santa Anita. You can also check on uh, Tom's uh, uh, insight into the races on a pretty regular basis uh, if you're on Twitter and you go to at Quigley's Q-U-I-G-L-E-Y-S uh, bottom slash I guess you call that corner and uh, you'll get the paddock profiles of the horses going to post out on the west coast Tom are you with me? John great to be with you you know I can only say this because I was a native of Chicago for the first 21 years that I was on planet earth but I remember those brutal winters very very well as a matter of fact the last year I was in Chicago the wind chill, I believe, was 60 below. They're predicting 30 below wind chill for the Green Bay football game this weekend. Oh, my God. But, uh, after I experienced that, I had enough of that and moved out to California. And I got to tell you, the uh, race has just ended about an hour ago. Uh, I'm still in my short sleeve Hawaiian shirt and a pair oh. of slacks. It was about 80 degrees, not a cloud in the sky. You saw it when you watched ah, the Rose Bowl ah. game yesterday. I know. <laughs> I know. But... It just feels so good to be able to say stuff like that in January. And the reason why I'm telling you all that, John, is because in my position as the VIP player concierge, just consider me to be like a casino host. I try and recruit players out here to spend some time in sunny Southern California. So that's why I'm telling your listeners what, uh, what it's like out here. It's uh, kind of like a paradise, kind of like a Disneyland. And if you're tired of shoveling snow or fighting the ice or scraping the ice off your windshield, come visit us out at Santa Anita. It's not a bad place to spend the winter. Okay, well, now that you, you've thrown the gauntlet down, what would one do to, to meet you and be greeted by you out at Santa Anita? Well, you know, Mr. Stronick, uh, I know that he gets a bum rap in a lot of uh, different spots and sometimes justifiably so, but at least out here at Santa Anita, he wants no matter what size player you are to come experience Santa Anita. I don't know if you know, John, it kind of, kind of uh, 
caught the headlines when we hosted the Breeders' Cup in early November, but over the summer when the horses were racing at Betfair Hollywood Park in Del Mar, uh, Mr. Stronick invested $15 million into Santa Anita. That's a big number in a sport that's kind of declining in general right. and really, really refurbished the place. I don't know the last time you were out at Santa Anita, but it's a pretty majestic place to begin with. And uh, he invested $15 million to really upgrade the facility, make it compete with some of the local sports teams. So, so no matter whether you're a $2 a race player, a $200 a race player, or a $2,000 a race player, we want you to come out and experience what Santa Anita is all about and go back and tell your friends back home what it's all about. So the best way is just email me. Just email me. Up. It's kind of a mouthful here, but it's my last name, Quigley, Q-U-I-G-L-E-Y at Horseplayer Daily. That's all one word, horseplayerdaily, D-A-I-L-Y.com. And uh, just tell me, you know, when you're coming out, and I'll make sure I set you up with some passes, maybe make a table reservation for you, and we'll just monitor your play just like they do at the casino. And uh, if you play enough, you'll get a lot more benefits. And if you don't play that much, you you know, you'll get a free hot dog in a program, but that's more than most racetracks will do for you. Absolutely. Uh, It's a fantastic concept, And uh, I I don't know why more uh, tracks don't embrace that. You took the words out of my mouth, John. The irony is every racetrack should have one of these positions available to the the on-track patrons because... You know, casinos know exactly how much, you're, how much you're wagering when you walk into their facility. You and I both know when you walk into a racetrack, whether you're betting $2 or $2,000, there's really no distinction unless a teller tells somebody in upper management or unless you're a well-known local player. But, you know, being out here in Los Angeles, you know, there's been a zillion people in the facility this first week uh, who are obviously fans of Michigan State or Stanford, and we're probably going to get another round of fans from both Auburn and Florida State. Oh, yeah. Since the, B- since the BCS game is this Monday night up the road in Pasadena. So, you know, we need to make that distinction between who the better players are and, and who they're not, simply because, just like in the casino, you know, if you play enough, they'll send a jet and a limo to come pick you up. And if you don't play enough, they still offer you a free hotel room and stuff like that. So that's really what this program is all about. I've been, the, been in this position for a couple of years, and it's really been a pretty cool position because I have found some pretty high rollers, and it's interesting to watch them play and kind of understand their psychology compared to guys like me and you who maybe don't put that much through the windows compared to them. No, but still, I, I, I know you, and I know you're a good handicapper. Uh, do some of these guys uh, kind of lean on you a little bit? Because uh, you, you've also got this other role as uh, the, the paddock profiler. Yeah, and that's an interesting question, John. And yes, I'm on Twitter, and I've got close to 4,000 followers. And the whole the whole concept behind that, and again, this is another position that should be filled at most racetracks, is that you know when you're playing San Diego or just pick any racetrack that you might be following via the simulcast signal, you can't be as close to the horses in the paddock as I, as I can be. Certainly, you can look at them on TV, but you know you can't see what I can see. You can't hear what I can hear. The jockeys and the trainers are walking by me, you know, constantly throughout the day, whispering in my ear little tidbits. You know, there's different things I can kind of convey, and Twitter's a perfect medium for that because, you know, for those listeners of yours who might not know much about Twitter, it's basically just like getting a text message from somebody that you follow on Twitter. It's absolutely free of charge, and so what I do prior to each race here in Southern California, once they walk by me in the paddock, is to tweet out in 150 characters or less who I think looks good and who I think looks bad. And the whole concept behind that is once you follow me and you have some confidence in my ability to look at the horses in the paddock, then if I tweet a horse you like, 
you might press your bet and bet more aggressively. And if I tweet a horse you don't like, you might consider, you might go back, take a look at the form, give it a second look, and maybe throw it into, into your exactas, pick fours, whatever the case might be. So it's a, it's a fun way to interact with racing fans around the country. Most of the guys that play big don't really follow me on Twitter because they're more mathematical in nature, believe it or not, John. What they mm-hmm. try and do is cover a lot of combinations. They have the bankroll to do that. They're always looking for value. So even if the horse might not look good in the form, or might not even look good in the pay, uh, you know, in the fo- excuse me, in the flesh or in the form, they're still going to throw it in there when it's thirty to one because that's kind of the knockout horse, which is the way they're playing when they're playing that large of a bankroll. Now I've heard the term Quigley's Corner. Where does that come from? Well, you know, out at San Diego, John, there's a very famous spot for the morning people that are watching the workouts and kind of hobnob over a cup of coffee or a pastry, and that's at the top of the stretch at San Anita called Clocker's Corner, and that's certainly been around a long time, and many famous horsemen from Charlie Whittingham to Mel Studi to countless others, Bob Baffert, hang out there and kind of shoot the breeze in the morning and watch the horses as they work out. Quigley's Corner is kind of an afternoon concept of that. It's in the paddock. It's right underneath the TV tower, right in the walking ring as you see the horses walking around in a circle before they're let out to the track. And that's kind of just a place. And, you know, I've kind of copied, uh, and it's the best form of flattery, John, I've copied some of your ideas from the regular guy concept that you used to have at River Downs when you would basically have a handicapping seminar with just, you know, Joe, Joe Average Race Fan. And it's just a way for people to kind of just come to the corner, meaning Quigley's Corner, hang out in the paddock, shoot the breeze about horses, and just have a good time. And, you know, now with a following on Twitter and in my VIP player concierge position, a lot of people come by throughout the day. We share opinions, and it's just... You know, you know, going to the racetrack is a very social aspect of, uh, right. of, of, you know, enjoying the races, and that's really what it is. It's just an afternoon version of Clocker's Corner, which everybody congregates to in the morning. Well, I, I can tell you from my experiences that you alluded to is that it, it's not always easy uh, making yourself accessible to the public because you're not always right. But, you know, let, let's face it, the favorite only wins 33% of the time, and and it is a challenge. So what you're saying is, is that you are there in person, you're approachable, people can come up and ask you questions, and at the same time you're disseminating this, this information all at once. Yeah, and I mean, you know, we see it every day, John. I mean, nothing any of us do as handicappers or even as trainers or owners is absolutely foolproof. Just think back to how many claims you've seen where there's multiple claims in on a horse and the horse gets eased as it's going down the backside. Now, can that many people be wrong about the physicality of horse? Probably not, but it's just, it's still such a compelling game because that's what makes it so challenging. So whether it's you or me putting out opinions out there, if it was easy, everybody would be a millionaire. And so, you know, all we try and do is be right more often than we're wrong. And when we're right, we want to be rewarded uh, for that with a, with a juicy mutual price. And so that's really what it comes down to, just trying to have fun. And let's face it, out here in California, we've got some, you know, not only great horses, but great jockeys and great trainers. So it's just a lot of fun. And like I said, just utilizing new technology to try and make it more, uh, more fun for people who literally can't be here standing in the paddock next to me. Well, um, in assessing the, the, the physicality of a horse, it's nothing you learn overnight. How did you hone your craft? Well, that's great. That's a great comment that you just made, John, because what I tell people is it's like shooting pool or shooting free throws. The more you do it, the better you'll become. And and one of the things that drew me into racing 
uh, growing up in Chicago was going out to Arlington Park when I was 13 years old. And what drew me into the game was not the gambling aspect of it, because I didn't understand it at the time, but it was just the beauty of the horse. And with Arlington Park having the summer months in Chicago, I would spend a lot of time in the paddock and just kind of just kind of look at horses and, you know, not knowing what I was looking at and then making friends with a lot of trainers and other people that I respected and just doing it day after day after day. You start to kind of identify, you know, what 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 kind of defines what a good horse looks like. And everybody asked me, well, what do you look for? And, and really, I'm not looking for Pegasus in every race, you know, not any sort of statuesque horse, because at the end of the day, it, within, any, within, within any particular race, the horses only have to beat each other within that race. So I'm looking for the best one within that race. I'm not looking to uphold it to a certain model or a standard. I'm just assessing and comparing them between each other within that race. And one of the things we, we've talked about technology, you know, in, in the short time we've been on the air, one of the beauties about technology is, I don't know if any of your listeners use DRF Formulator, but you can put in notes of your own into DRF Formulator, and when you print it out the next time the horse runs, your notes pop up exactly underneath the running lines of that horse. So it's like having your own personalized daily racing form. So I input all my physicality notes all my trip notes into formulators so that basically at the glance of an eye, I can look back over a horse's record and, and, and remember instantaneously whether the horse two times back, three times back, whatever the case might be, how that horse looked and I compare it to how the horse looks today. And you'd be surprised. You know, you've been around the game a long time, but you see on paper horses coming in and out of form quickly and rapidly and that's the same thing from a physicality standpoint horse looks great three weeks ago you see him again today and it's like wow what happened and it's it just happens i mean horses fall out of form they lose their physicality literally literally overnight and i just think that's one of the un you know the unexplored frontiers in handicapping is looking at horses because a lot of people don't do it well, obviously, uh, you, you're the man to do it on the West Coast. Tom, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, I want to talk to you a little bit more of some of the happenings on the West Coast and a quick look at some of the top races out at Santa Anita this weekend. You're listening to Winning Ponies. to the pros we, we, we cover, everything. cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports and they're off what can't make it to the track you can still get all the action with winningponies.com the home of the easy win form the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds quarters and arabian horses at most american and canadian tracks whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. 
your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, uh, Tom Quigley. Uh, who is uh, based right now at Santa Anita. Unlike me, he was not snow-blowing today, six inches in a 20-mile-an-hour wind with a zero-degree wind chill. Uh, but being on the West Coast, last week we talked with Jay Hovday about his feelings of the shuttering of Hollywood Park, and I need to ask uh, the, the, the same question to Tom. Uh, what's it like to lose that part of California racing? Well, you know, John, I have mixed emotions about it because certainly it has a very historic value. You think back to all the historic races that were run there, and there's certainly plenty of history and plenty of memories. They had 75 years of racing there, and it was located close to the water along, you know, right next to the uh, LAX airport. And during the summer months, it was always a little bit cooler there than out at Santa Anita. But unfortunately, you know, it had fallen on very hard times. It was purchased by a land management company that literally did not reinvest a dollar back into the facility. It was showing its wear and tear. The on-track attendance was down very, very dismally compared to some of the other tracks here in Southern California. So, you know, I, I, we all wish, certainly as human beings, that everything could last forever and, it, and everything could go on status quo forever. But that's just not the way the world operates. And it was just unfortunately time had come to shutter the doors of the grand old dam and uh, we did that just a few weeks ago and you know it was with a heavy heart but you know i do think that the racing industry will be stronger out here because of it could we use another facility other than santa anita del mar and for a few weeks los alamitos sure but that's not on the horizon as we talked about a little bit earlier building a racetrack is not a cheap uh, a cheap expenditure and so we'll just have to make do with what we have um, you know, I am a little bit concerned about the turf course maybe being chewed up since we're racing at Fanny all the way till the end of June, but everybody's monitoring that, and we'll just have to see how it all plays out. But there's certainly worse places in the world than to be, quote-unquote, stranded at Santa Anita until the end of June. Well, uh, the, the the racing gods of the of the Breeders' Cup have kind of uh, designated uh, your uh, – your, your home uh, as the place of, of the Breeders' Cup. Um, turning the clock back in 2013, uh, when, when I look at the, the highlights of the Breeders' Cup, mine, mine is a very personal one because I'm a friend of Buff Radley's. Uh, watching Groupie Dow come back uh, was just, uh, that was my Breeders' Cup moment. Obviously, the classic was a classic. Um, what, what stood out for you in this year's Breeders' Cup? Yeah, a couple of things, John. On a negative standpoint, if you remember on Friday, it sure looked like the main track was very speed-oriented. We had in the second race before the Breeders' Cup a 35-to-1 shot go wire-to-wire. We also had Golden Sense in the Breeders' Cup dirt mile go wire-to-wire under some, under some pretty ridiculous fractions. So Friday was a bit of a biased track, but then Saturday it certainly evened out. And as you mentioned, Groupie Dahl was one of many champions who came back to repeat you think back to the breeders cup menu misdirection also repeated coming down the hill in the turf sprint we also had wise Dan repeating in the breeders cup mile so you know i always like to think of it as trevor likes to describe it as the heart of a champion and those three runners certainly showed why they were true champions 
Um, that was very breathtaking. And you mentioned Mucho Macho Man in the Breeders' Cup Classic. You know, we'd be remiss in not at least recognizing Gary Stevens' comeback at the age of 50. He'd been gone for seven years, came back around March of 2013, and obviously culminated his uh, comeback story with uh, the desperate nose victory in the Breeders' Cup Classic aboard Mucho Macho Man. So there were a lot of good memories, you know, from that Breeders' Cup, from before, from years past with Zenyatta, and I'm sure we'll make some more Breeders' Cup memories uh, actually on Halloween and November 1st of this year as well. Really? On Halloween? Well, I'm most uh, uh, interestingly, uh, that Will Take Charge, who pushed uh, the Macho Man uh, to the wire, may be a part of the story. I think it's great that he's going to stay in training. And he turned out to prove just how good he was uh, by, by coming back and, and winning that race at Churchill Downs. Uh, so that just puts a little asterisk towards Mucho Macho Man that uh, he was facing one hall of a three-year-old that afternoon. Yeah, and we talked about, you know, horses rounding into form, and you think back to, uh, you know, Mr. Lucas's Colts performances early on in the year when he was at Oakland and even in the Kentucky Derby. I know he had traffic trouble, but at that point in his career, there was no way you could have forecasted that he would miss winning the Breeders' Cup Classic by a desperate nose, but you saw his progression at Saratoga, at uh, Parks Racing in the Pennsylvania Derby, and he just continued that improvement. And like you said, you know, we're even hoping this is – Obviously, a 50-to-1 shot, but long shots never scare me. We're actually hoping that maybe we could even have a rematch as early as the uh, Santa Anita Big Cap, which is the first Saturday in March. We're desperately trying to get both Mucho Macho Man from Florida and we'll take charge from uh, the Fairgrounds Oakland area to maybe have a rematch in the $1 million Big Cap here in March. But if that doesn't happen for whatever reason, we'll certainly take the rematch in the uh, Breeders' Cup Classic, uh, like I said, on the 1st of November. Well, it would be great for racing, I can tell you that. Well, I've probably only got about four or five minutes left in this, this segment, so uh, since I've got Mr. Santa Anita with me, uh, I want to take a look at the race that uh, could produce a horse that could uh, show up at the Kentucky Oaks uh, the Friday before the first Saturday in May. Um, sad to say, for 200000 and a grade two, they were only able to get four competitors, uh, but the, there could be a surprise in here. I guess the, 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 you've got a four to five shot and an even money shot. The even money shot is Tastes Like Candy, a uh, daughter of Candy Ride, who's red hot right now. And then on the bottom, the four horse, Crushed Velvet, uh, is sent off at four to five, uh, even though she doesn't have the credentials of Tastes Like Candy. Was she that impressive, Tom, in that debut? She was, but you know what? Bob Baffert has two in here, and we've seen many times, if you follow Southern California racing, that sometimes the longer price of the Baffert hidden entry sometimes win, wins. And I'm specifically referring to the number three awesome baby. If you look back at her debut at Del Mar, which, of course, was over a synthetic surface, now she'll be racing on a real dirt here at Santa Anita. But when she ran that 85 buyer back on August 4th at Del Mar, believe it or not, that was the highest two-year-old buyer speed figure at that point of anybody around the country. So she flashed her brilliance that day. She was bet down to four to five. Then Baffert rushed her into the Del Mar debutante. She drew the rail, and you can see she was bet down that day to the six to five favorite, flashed some speed, and then backed up. And then the last race was just an epic disaster. You can see they ran her in the chandelier going two turns. She didn't want any part of that. I think she's probably more likely a sprinter rather than a router, although that's a little hard to believe, being sired by Awesome again. But I think she's dangerous. Mike Smith, money rider. I often refer to him as modern-day Chris McCarron. And so I'd give a long look to Awesome Baby, maybe to upset the top two favorites. 
Okay, well, especially the people playing uh, some of the extended uh, pick threes and such uh, might want to take your advice. My producer telling me I've only got about a minute and a half, so I want to tap you for the San Gabriel grade two on the turf. Uh, it looks like we're going to have a field of 11 going to post. Uh, a guy that I watched win his first race, Rafael Bejarano, is aboard a horse called Geronimo. Is uh, this veteran gelding the one to beat? I know he likes Santa Anita. He's a little long in the tooth, John. He is the 123-pound highway. But when you look back through his PPs, you can see he won this race last year. He was second the year before in 2012. And he actually won the race in 2011 as well. So we know that he likes this track. We know that he likes this distance. But, like I said, he's a little bit long in the tooth. Bayerano is certainly the dominating jockey out here like you, John. I remember when he rode in uh, in Kentucky and certainly made it, made a name for himself there, writing for people uh, like Kenny McPeak, who you mentioned earlier in the show. But my selection, John, is going to be number one, Slim Shady, simply because as you look through the past performances, there's not a lot of speed in this race. You can bank that it's going to be a, fir- a firm turf course. There's no prediction of rain at any point uh, between now and when this race is going to be run on Saturday. And drawing the inside box, I just think that Corey Nakatani is only going to have one way to go. To I go see to the what first. you're saying. Yeah, he's the horse for a course. Well, Tom, I'm also seeing my producer telling me, John, as good as Tom Quigley is, we've got to get out. If you're going to Santa Anita, look up Tom Quigley. He's the VIP player concierge. And also you can get him at Twitter, at Quigley's bottom slash corner. Tom, thanks so much. I appreciate your time. Always a pleasure. Happy New Year, John, to you and all your listeners. All right, Happy New Year to you and to everybody at Winning Ponies. Remember, we nailed a $46,000 pick six today. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.